hey, everybody, you might have noticed that uh, we're publishing two shows today on Wednesday, uh, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. <gasps> May the 4th be with you. We need it. Why are we doing this, Molly? Why are we pu publishing two shows of different lengths? Explain to the audience what's going on. It's a little because you may not know that you're missing all of mm. this gold that you could be getting for free every day by subscribing to our channel at youtube.com slash this weekend because that's where we actually tape this live from basically 10 to noon every day pacific time so yes. if you hit that notification bell you could be part of this every day yes so basically what you're going to hear is the unedited live stream that we recorded today on wednesday it has a lot of banter molly and i talking hey how was your day how was your weekend and we get ready for the show and we talk to the people in the chat room and Every day, hundreds of people, uh, upwards of a thousand come and join us for the live taping and they ask us questions in real time. So you're going to get about 30% more show and it's going to be the 30% that's very raw. So here's just the raw taping of the show today. Again, youtube.com says this weekend, you all know how to subscribe to a uh, YouTube channel, but what you might not know is there's a bell next to it. You hit the bell, you're turning on notifications. So of course, subscribe to 500 YouTube channels you love. But go pick the four or five you really love, like this show, hopefully, and hit the bell. So I did this for Mark Knopfler or some other products I love. When Mark Knopfler posts to uh, his YouTube channel or I go live or my Knicks fan TV goes live, Molly, I get a little alert because I really want to hear them live or just go to that YouTube file, um, you know, before everybody else and write the word first in the comments. So. Yes, exactly. On our show, we call them the Noti Gang, Notification Cause Gang, because they show up right away notifications turned on all right enjoy the app enjoy the app tell us which one you like better at yeah, Hollywood, at it's alpha beta it's an a b test a b testing today and <laughs> so follow molly on twitter twitter.com slash mollywood and i'm at jason and let us know which one you like better all right we'll talk soon bye 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 enjoy the show am i live or no you are live oh sorry oh, man i'm waking up everybody wake up jk get in the game oh let's get that cafe du monde mm chicory iced coffee go ahead and pull up the chicory pull up the uh, cafe du monde for the uh noties something we obviously need to talk about um cafe du monde is uh yeah cafe du monde is the place in new orleans where they have uh, i say new orleans to be pretentious there's a great skit on saturday Night live where this couple just keep saying Narlins over and over again but they keep making it more Narlins, Narlins, and they just they ham it up and for some reason i find that so have you gotten the beignets here i i have it was 20 years ago so when we start the this week in startups uh live tour uh this week in startups meet the startups i think maybe we'll call it meet the startups or something um as opposed to meet our fun but when we do this week in startups live the format is going to be think like 25 or 50 startups will present what they're working on for three minutes each there'll be a demo pit with like 50 startups uh each having a round table you know you come at like i think noon um we start the program uh you know 12 to maybe five we have companies present five to six we have a little networking six to seven thirty molly and i uh do a little show interview somebody and then I uh, have a little party afterwards. So you can come for like a whole day, 12 to nine and, you know, meet a bunch of people, network, uh, co-work, you know, take out your laptop and work with folks. So that's my idea. Uh, but I think it would be very cool um, to go to New Orleans, Atlanta, Nashville, some of these, um, you know, 
non-obvious smaller cities, you know, when compared to Austin and Miami, New York, LA, we'll obviously hit those. But it'd be nice to kind of do some of those areas because I know there's like great startup communities uh, in those areas and it'd be nice to meet folks. And it would I'm basing this all on food and what I feel like eating <laughs> and cities I haven't been to because I have a new philosophy after COVID and getting out of all this. I'm like, what would be absolutely enjoyable for me? And enjoyable for me would be getting beignets with y'all at Café du Monde and drinking that delicious chicory coffee. Chicory, if you don't know, is bark. And so if you, uh, but show the Amazon, uh, you know, orange can of chicory coffee that you can buy. Then maybe they have it on their page there. Um, and it comes in cans, which I like, I like a can of ground coffee, you know, when it's like vacuum sealed, it's like old school, like Maxwell house. I don't know. I just, there it is. And so if you look at that can on the left there, that uh, orange can happens to be orange, my favorite color. That's the cafe du monde with the chicory in it. Now here's what you do. Put about eight scoops of that in some nice, clean, filtered water. If you got, like, you know, a, a Brita or, or, you know, I have, like, an in-sync fancy one now at my house. Uh, I used to be part of Team Brita. Now I got the the in, I got the in-sync one, you know, uh, and it's delightful. But you get you need to have that nice, clean water, you know, not, not, like, a lot of flavoring in it. And then you let the water sit with, like, I don't know, eight scoops of uh, six scoops, ten scoops, whatever your jam is, tablespoons. Uh, I think it's like a tablespoon per cup is what most people say, uh, or a teaspoon. It's a tablespoon. Maybe it's a tablespoon per cup. Anyway, you just let it sit in there. You, you basically can't do it wrong because if you make it too strong, you just water it down and you have concentrate. So if you put 10 scoops in, like I've been experimenting with six, eight, and 10 scoops. When I put 10 scoops in, this stuff comes out like dark, like black, 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 can't see through it. When I do six, it comes out, it looks like a, you know, a really dark iced tea. So somewhere between eight, six and 10 scoops, but you'll figure that out. And you let it sit overnight. You give it a couple stirs. You let it sit overnight. And then the next day, you just pour it out. And oh, my Lord, is this delicious iced cold brew coffee. Molly, you ready to come on? And it's so cheap and affordable. Uh, And then you don't have to, Molly, spend all this money on Blue Bottle. Pull up the Blue Bottle on Good Eggs in the carton. This is like eight ounces and uh, if you go to Good Eggs, Blue Bottle, Chicory Coffee, and um, they're charging four or five dollars for a little, I think it's what is it, a quart, a pint? What's smaller, a quart or a pint? A pint is less than a quart. It's four pints in a quart or two pints in a quart. Um, two pints in a quart, correct? Two pints in a quart. So there's a, a pint. This is what happens when you get further and further from your elementary education. You don't remember pints, gallons, quarts, half gallons. Um, but you know, I'm paying. What does that say? The four bucks and change. Yeah, four forty nine. Okay, so it's four fifty for that. I'm literally paying twenty five cents now for that. And then I was buying four or five of these a week. You know, whatever. I like the taste of it. And then I realized I'm an idiot. Molly's going to be very disappointed in me. It's so you know. frugal. Well, for two reasons. Out One frugality. Cheap. Yep. Yep. Well, let's me put my money towards things that matter to me more, like experiences exactly. with my, my family, um, you know, or Don Julio for Molly, whatever, whatever you know. <laughs> it's not easy to keep Molly. It's true. Kinda, kinda I'm almost to, out. I just keep sharing it with people like my golf hole in one. <laughs> kind of easy to keep Molly happy. <laughs> if I'm really being not. totally honest. <laughs> at all. That's let her true. speak. And just let her say words out loud and just the occasional presence. Occasional presence and uh, make sure, you know, it's how listen. great it was it when this showed up on my doorstep. I was like, oh my God. Red flags. It's not nice. so easy. 
So let me tell you something. Uh, if you want to have good relationships with people, here's an idea. Be nice and thoughtful. It's not that hard, folks. Yeah. You know, like the opposite of what America is doing to have the country <laughs> right now. Yes, we're going to talk oh about God. Roe v. Wade in relation to tech today. We really are. So just brace yourselves, friends. It's happening. I wore my um, I wore my radical military jacket. It's an accident. But mm. <laughs> by the way, can I just in the like how much I love my job? I have to yes. show you guys what I picked up yesterday. I'm going to hang it over here. What is that? This is my first deal memo. You framed it or we framed it for you? No, I had it framed. Aw. Look, I'm I got so the like of... I got the mat that goes with our logo color. Mm, I'm so, so nice. proud of it. I know I love it. I'm oh gonna put God, it right that's here. Like it's gonna be right here on the wall. What a great idea. Actually, when we hit winners, we should take our deal memos and frame them and send them to the team. Oh yeah. You know, that would be I get the grid memo out there, get the com memo, get the Uber Dude, memo. Totally. Such a good idea. Instead of doing like people used to do something called it's in Lucite. What do they call those with the IPOs? <sighs> deal toys. No, they call them good. deal toys. That's kind of no. messed up. There's a different name for them. Somebody in the Noti gang will know. Uh, but those things, those IPO. I mean, that might be what somebody said on, in billions as a joke. No, that's definitely what they call them in investment banking. But I'm, I'm sure there's another. Tombstones are definitely like the. Those are the. Um, I'll, I'll show some examples. I think you can IPO tombstone examples. Yeah. They're called tombstones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tombstone, it, it could have multiple names, but here a tombstone is a written, oh no, that's uh, like a this. written advertisement. Oh, it's like a Lucite thing you put on your desk. Like sometimes people have them. It's like a little trophy for yourself, but there's your Facebook IPO one. Um, they usually just look like wow, a little look at tombstone. that. That's yeah. more offensive. I would like to get a collection of these. Uh, if anybody has an old tombstone from a failed.com company, I really that want it. would be amazing. That like could be our back shelves. One or, oh, yeah. yeah. Bring me that. Please Pretty bring awesome. me that. Oh, the Pretty tombstones awesome. are awesome. Right? Pretty awesome. But we are going to talk mm -hmm. about uh, Roe v. Wade and yeah. tech today. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's important. Um, and there's actually... Um, when we get to it, there's a real big OPSEC and data privacy and data security component to this, in addition to, of course, the tech industry response. So we're going to talk about the business questions around this. Yeah, I um, think, yeah. you know, we we want to talk about whatever the biggest issues in the world are. with yeah. the tech and the finance obvious angles here, startups, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I think we should have a pretty wide mandate um, that when something is, you know, big news like Ukraine, Roe v. Wade, a political election. I think it's within our zone, you know, and um, yeah, I, I think we're we're it's okay for us to talk about it uh, because, yeah, it, it's going to relate to tech and business and finance. So it is, and it's our show, and we want to. Oh, and we want, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're, and it's our show, and it's our show, and so but also we talk about is, it. I got to get my quick time going before I yeah, say too much too. more. But yeah, I'm gonna get my quick time going. Uh, mm -hmm. For noties, go ahead and give us a Maybe. thumbs up. Uh, for your squad here so that we can break the YouTube algorithm. Susan Wojcicki actually just yeah. emailed me yesterday. Really? Um, from YouTube. Do you want to yeah. come on? Uh, well, I had invited her to the All In Summit. She couldn't make it, uh, but she's a, a fan of yours as well. So yeah, I think I'll get her on here. Uh, and then maybe next year's All In Summit. Um, and then YouTube's podcasting team reached out to us, uh, which was quite nice. So we now have another uh, rabbi inside of the... Uh, that's great. Uh, the YouTube building. How was that? Because I think YouTube wants to make a push in podcasting. So, you know, we have a contact at Spotify. They helped us get into video. Mm -hmm. We have a contact now at YouTube because they're going after podcasts. I, Apple, I 
do we still have a good contact at Apple? We haven't been featured in a while. I'm going to base all the bonuses for the producers here on getting featured in Apple. So if featured, then Don Julio, it's just simple coding. If no, that, I think I'm going to go that. with cash. Um, yeah. Cash Justin, Nick and Rachel front and center, please. We'll have a little combo here. Producers. Oh boy. Uh, there's one. <laughs> there's Justin. one. Oh boy. Well, I, yeah, I think I, I got to get my video input right here. <laughs> He's like, He's oh, like you have a mul oh, multi-camera setup? Wow. What? Maybe well, a is... camera too, Justin. <laughs> Look at Justin. Oh, let me switch to camera two. He's all. I like it. I want to get a multi-camera setup for us. <laughs> I think that would be a cool vibe. It would be a vibe, you know what I'm saying? All right, Rachel, front Nody, center, Nick. Nody What's Paul going says, on? Are these guys, what are they? Are they, they went to the loo working. or something? Or they're really just getting camera ready? All right, anyway, you can take the memo. Take a memo. Nody Paul says, what do you need at Apple? I'm leaving next week. All right, 2022 bonuses for producers. You guys got a bonus last year? Did you get a bonus in January? I did. How was the bonus? Pretty good? Good. Nice to go. Wow, the guys are ringing. Wow. Ooh, that was lukewarm. Look at this guy's angle shooting for a bigger bonus. He's all. Well, you got to, you know, want. Come see, come see, come see, men's and men's. I got a bonus. <laughs> wow, look at the look at the element here. It happened. That's the thing going the way I thought it would go. Anyway, <laughs> no, you know I'm how you're cut into uh, all the carry and you get a percentage yeah, of everything I'm, I make, and I'm that's not available <laughs> no, anywhere else in the world <laughs> as a you know podcaster. Uh, so anyway, I am. Uh, we're moving to OKRs at lunch. I love an uh, OKR. I, you know, I just never have done this. So I, I just realized like we're doing our offsite and things are going so fast. I need to get uh, objectives and key results. So the objective for this show is, you know, to obviously provide great value to founders and capital allocators, but we're going to need some key results. And so key results, Molly, I want to be like a list of like 50 guests and, yep. you know, two off of this list each quarter, basically. Then that means 25 quarters, whatever that is, you know, whatever, six years from now, we've gotten all of them or, you know, whatever the, the list could change, but yeah. you know, let's say three a quarter, maybe one a month, you know, and then I guess with key results, what's our objective. Know. Sorry. Number one, number one podcast in tech. In sure. Why not? Sure. I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, if we, if we are consistently in the top 10 in tech, I think getting to top five would be a good objective for this top year and then next good. year, top three, right? Yeah. So top five, top three, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to measure, you know, we don't have direct control of the algorithm, so it's not exactly an input, but right. yes, a good objective. And then key results are things that would kind of go into the OKR. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing this with 15.5. We're investors in that company, people doing it on Notion or Coda, shout out Coda, uh, sponsor of the pod. And um, people are doing it with Lattice, I guess. And so it just means management. In this case, it would be, you know, me and you, Molly, here uh, on the pod thinking of what, what are the incentives that we, what are the objectives and then what are the key results that would mm -hmm. drive those incentives, you know. Um, I think the live shows are going to be big. So I think that could be a good key result yeah. for us. Yeah. I think building the live audience has been great for us, but just setting some metrics around that and key results. And then you make somebody in charge of the key results. What that does, Justin, I think is it gives you clarity on what success is in the job. And then it makes your 360 review, whatever bullshit review we do at the end of the year. You know, I'm not a review guy. I'm not going to do reviews with anybody ever. I hate that. It's like, I just have an aversion to it. Um, <laughs> and when you said something like this, how does that square with the like day-to-day -day interest or, or new ideas that come up? 
Yeah, so I'm an idea guy. You're going to have new ideas for me happening constantly. And then what this does is it gives people who have been charged with key results the ability to say, hey, boss, now you want to do live events again. You know, pandemic's over. Should that be in our key results and our objectives? Because I don't see it here. And then you say, okay, well, we go over the monthly and everybody talks about their key results. So, and what efforts taking to do it. Okay, maybe we need to change the key results, right? We need to add one. Uh, okay, we're adding one. Maybe we need to resource it. Oh, do we need more resources for this or is not? You know, getting, you know, uh, you know, people on the top 50 list probably requires making a list of the top 50, not, you know, anything more than that. We have to invite guests on anyway. So yeah, that and it, that's, I think, part of the give and take between crazy founders and keeping them from just flooding the team with ideas and not executing. So it's, it's a great question, actually. The objectives mm -hmm. and key results is a way to get alignment in an organization that we all agree these are the key results. I, I could not. I, this is actually the first. This was my first John Doerr product, his book about objectives and key results. Yeah. And we interviewed him about it for Marketplace Tech. And I remember being like, yeah. this is like because it's a pretty dry book. If I'm being honest, yes. but then then the concept just got into my brain and I could not stop thinking about it because it was like this is a, like structure in an organization is a ladder that anyone can climb. Right. It enables success yeah. if you know what you need to do to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that is clear to everybody and yes. it doesn't change. Then mm -hmm. anyone can succeed. Yeah. It's literally a ladder. Mm. And it's so Agreed. freaking powerful and like companies don't want to do it. And I think the reason they don't want to do it is because they don't necessarily want to put out a ladder. I don't know. Like, I'm just like, why are you so, um, I mean, it takes work, right? And you have to track it and you have to measure it. Like he says in his book. It takes but, some intentionality uh, yeah. and you're right. Management has to want to do this. And um, I am just getting to the point where it's like so clear to me, like what our objectives and goals are. And it's mm -hmm. clear to me what I don't want to do. So it's just easier for for us to have more frameworks as we scale. When you're running a 10 person or less company, yeah. you can kind of, since you're all s sitting in the same room or you're all in the same like single chat room and it, it doesn't really matter. Like you can just be like, here's what we're going to do. We don't need to make big plans. But <clears throat> when you have multiple pieces in an organization and they impact each other, communicating the goals over and over again yeah. is really key. Um, and then codifying. And so... I think this is one of the things that the modern day <clears throat> software is allowing in an organization that's remote, especially because remote is, you know, forcing my hand to think about this a lot because I can't, I can't manage by proximity and charisma and relationship to the extent I did when we were in an office, you know, yeah. where I'm like, oh, let's have lunch. Let me hear what people are thinking, you know, I'll motivate them with that. Um, <clears throat> and so just a little more clarity. And so what's nice about the modern day wiki and getting off of Word and Google Docs, which is a you know something I've been doing in both organizations, Inside.com and Launch. Mm -hmm. I just said, listen, please, any document, please put it on Notion. Now, if you put it on Notion uh, or Coda, whatever you're using, um, then by default, I want it to be transparent. So I'm working on this secret project in the organization called Project Plutos uh, that you know about. Um, and I realized I shared it with everybody because my intent is to always to just share with everybody because it makes my job as a manager easier. Mm -hmm. And you talked about it being a ladder. I'm looking for overachievers. That's kind of my thing. And so if every document on your Coda or Notion or whatever is by default public, the person who just joined last week, who is an ops person, is now like, oh, Project Plutos. Let me read that. Oh, 
uh, deal memos, how they're written, best practice. Oh, sourcing deals, best practice. Oh, how to do that. And they're like, I read everything. I understand mm -hmm. everything. I took mm -hmm. notes. Now, previously, if that was in Google Docs, you'd have to say, hey, can you share that with me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then somebody who would be sharing with you would be like, yeah, oh, you want to learn about that? Let's talk about that. Now, friction. Hmm. And so I'm a big fan of hmm. this no friction. Let people, if they want to climb the organization and take on more results, let's go for it. You know? I mean, I love the idea of a living handbook. Like that is wonderful. Yeah. And the value in our organization is not necessarily the playbook because the playbook keeps changing. You know, the value of this organization, um, if you think about it, like the podcast is you and I our ability to communicate with an audience and you know have them come back every day and have a great discussion here and interpret and try to figure out the news with them. So no amount of playbook is going to turn somebody, I mean, they might get a couple of tips here or there into Molly Wood or Joe Rogan or yeah. All In or- You don't have to be threatened by knowledge. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you know people sometimes clench up about sharing the best practice. What I realized is like, which is I do on the show, I just talk candidly about all the best practices. It attracts more people to you. And so what you yeah. give up in best practices when I write a book and I explain everything, do you know how much incredible feedback I got from writing Angel? Like yeah. people were like, you're wrong about this. You're wrong about this. I was like, hold on, slow down. I'm <laughs> getting a pen out. Can I record this? <laughs> Let me write all that down. Here's all yeah. the leaks in your game. It would be like you're in a poker game and somebody's like, here's your tells. And here's something I noticed about you that makes it easier for me to beat you in poker. <laughs> you never call raises. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks. Against who? <laughs> Against these <Yep>. two people. <laughs> writing down <laughs> notes. Like you put your thoughts out in the world. It's pretty, pretty, pretty great to get that uh, feedback. So yeah. Uh, you know, organizations grow up and, uh, you know, you need to really move with this time. And the writing first culture has been great for me because I like to write. Mm -hmm. um, and I just got to teach every, that's the next thing I got to do. I that actually, do that reminds me how to I write. Have, I have a note for our producers. Mm. Remind me about Remind the writing me. thing. Yeah, I want to teach people how to write. So I want to have a writing seminar for our team. Um, and using Hemingway app or Grammarly um, and setting it on Clarity and like for a bit, Clarity, biz, I think on Grammarly you can set like Clarity business and the grade level, like, you know, ninth grade level, Clarity. Oh, you can? Oh, thank God. Yeah. Because and so, you know, like drop it down. Like we're not in grad school here. Uh, it's business. Like the goal is to get them to read it and understand it in a few yeah. words. And then Hemingway is just brutal. They're just like, say it with less words. Say it with less words. <laughs> You could probably say that with less words. <laughs> this could probably be two sentences. <laughs> you sure you don't want this to be three sentences? So uh, just tips for people on writing. I'm putting this note in here of what was said for a later mm. reference. Yes. Oh, and then taking notes is one of the great things. Oh, God. Yeah. There are like, notes. I keep opening the windows because now it's warm in here and there's just like oh. this yucky fly on my screen. Oh, God. Right you've been having like, fly issues. You, know you, you need to get, um, there's like a dish you can get with like, where you just put, I think you can put soap in a dish. Yeah. And then they land in it and they, I'm gonna uh, do that. or we just got to like get you um, screens. So there are pop-in <laughs> screens you can get for windows that, cause you have like old windows. Like easy probably. ones. No, this is a brand new window. I just don't like screens. But they don't come but with I screens? I put it in. Yeah, it's time. It probably can. I have this screen. issue. I have this it's issue uh, where I am in the summer cause I like the cool breeze and then we start getting flies in the house. And, and I so, hate screens. They look so ugly. You know what? But it's about practicality. It's time to suck it point, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't be like having a ring, ring, ring. But I got that one. I got him. He was real slow, yeah, and I just, okay. I just got him with the tissue. Right, let's do a show. Let's do a now show. Now we can and do the show. The yeah, I got the kill dead. the fly. Um, yeah, we uh, we we uh, we have two kittens, and they're 
drinking milk and they're on day three or four now and they're doing great. So kid watch. I think these two will survive. Four didn't make it. We found four that had not made. No, two did. Yes. But we saved two. And so that counts for something. And then we found a baby deer alone and uh like god what's going on out there you guys are like it's like baby deer on our right outside our gate like with no mom and can barely walk it was just born and so we're like what do we do with this so we called them they're like you got to put it out back where the mom last was kind of situation so we're like oh god so it's gonna be on the road so we have to walk it up the hill and try to get it off the road and then it wouldn't leave us so it's following us like oh god this is like heartbreaking you know like clap your hands to scare it (laughs) my tiktok is full of cute animals and i'm just saying like baby deer like to snuggle in your bed turns out uh we could adopt it you're not allowed to do like that. Dr. It's like Dr. the worst, worst thing you can do from what I understand. But I do like animal rescue. I know what I'm going to do. I mean, do it is if you're going to keep it. But if, you know. In my retirement, I am going to open an animal rescue. I've now oh. decided I want to do a bulldog and birds of prey rescue. It's like, I've been thinking about what I like. I like bulldogs and I have an affinity for birds of prey. I don't know what that says. You're going to become me. the falconer. I kind of want to go to, I'm, I want to do falconing lessons. It's funny you say that. I literally went down the rabbit really? hole with my 12-year-old so awesome. daughter, and she wants to take falconry lessons, and we found one, and actually on this Friday, we're going to go out and see a falconry thing, and then talk to the guy about doing private falconing lessons, oh God, that's which so freaking to cool. me is the coolest thing in the world. Pretty much the coolest thing in the world. I have like a family of hawks because I live up on old on top of Old Smoky, mm-hmm. and there's a family of hawks. So I think are called Hawthorn hawks. Oh. They the their underside looks like a rattlesnake, Got but it. they're so amazing because they're always just sort of like cruising. And there's like been a teenager, mm. like the adolescent of the family, trying to learn how to float the thermals. Yeah, and so he's out there all the time, like oh, uh, so cool. Uh, yeah, uh. and then when my dogs come out, he they they swoop because my dogs are not that big, and they're like, "Can we can we carry one of those away?" I'm just like, "Okay, come on, let's everybody be cool." Yeah, it's amazing. This amazing. is pretty great. Yeah, Falconer. Here's a meme about uh, docs versus wikis. Uh, so here are your silos of information, and then here oh is your goodness. wiki team. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Wow, way to go. Um, Producers, can there be a longer lag between when I mention something and it's on the screen? Uh, Come on, guys. Come on. <sighs> I said, here's a great meme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, key results. There's Jason a new key really, result. Jason mentions an Justin, image. It's on screen within five seconds. Justin really is new like, key result. I, the I'm problem is you make something in Canva, then you have to down, like, ah, if, yeah. if you copy and paste it into Slack. But yeah, I, I now will have it ready before I share. How's that sound? Whatever. This. Okay. I mean, there we go. Docs. He made this. I will say this is artistic. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like us making memes. All right. <clears throat> Let's do the show. Here. You know what I'd like time. to do? Um, yes. 15 Justin is, minutes and 55 seconds. Yeah, mine is running too. I already told you. 15 for me too. Um, I would like to release the full um, Nodi episode to the stream today as well as well as the edit episode with molly and i doing a little intro saying hey everybody every day we tape the show at 10 o'clock we edit it down but if you wanted to hear the long episode go to youtube.com this weekend and set your bell and then like basically explain to them and give them like this raw file of the entire thing one time here's what your ads or no ads i no think ads, right? no ads yeah we just explained mm-hmm. oh it's, oh nick showed up great but it's gone to- <laughs> yeah alex and i were in a different restream room <laughs> <laughs> 
look, it has been a long week. <laughs> when we realized, I was like, where is everybody? He's like, oh, dude, we're in the wrong room. I was like, oh, no. You're in the room for, I set up um, the restream for Jason Lemkin. He's coming on for a mega VC Sunday school tomorrow. So that's the room that we're oh, taking into nice, today. Nice. So if anyone's listening, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, Jason Lemkin is joining. We're going to do mega VC Sunday school. Mega. And you put that on. You, you have the YouTube video up so people can set a reminder, right? Yep, yep, it's up. I noticed that the other day. So this is a very cool thing. We got to make sure we tell people to RSVP by setting mm -hmm. a reminder. So mm -hmm. when we do these ahead of time, part of the best practice of like setting one of these things up is to tweet it, to put it in the um, Twitter group chat, other groups, Slack, whatever, and just let people know, hey, we're doing a live event with this person. You can RSVP by simply setting a reminder here. So just get more people into the YouTube orbit. Uh, all right, so now we're going to do the show. So if you're listening to this on the podcast player, there was about 15 minutes of show of Molly and I just getting ready to do the show um, that you missed. And so would you like that? Like a raw version of the show that's 30 minutes longer? Well, you get that on youtube.com slash this weekend. You hit subscribe, you hit the bell. Your YouTube player, whether you're on your iPad, your desktop, or maybe if you set it for email, I'm not sure, or on your phone, you get that little alert. Hey, listen, if you're working anyway, you're jamming out, why not just put your headphones in and listen to us talk about the news of the day? You get more informed and you can even ask a question. So uh, just a really simple thing to do. All right, we're going to talk about Roe v. Wade. Let's do it right now. Three, two. All right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday. Yes, you made it to the third day of the week. Here we are. We're climbing. We're almost at the summit, Molly. And we this week can has start. been a month. This week has been a month. It has been. Uh, and for the for the ladies in the audience, we uh, we are going to talk about it. Uh, there is obviously a lot of business and tech uh, response to the leak of the um, Supreme Court statement on Roe v. Wade. Potentially, the leak's been confirmed. But Molly, why don't you? Just catch everybody up in the audience. Maybe if like me, maybe they don't even know the history of Roe v. Wade as much as maybe they need to, yeah. because we just all thought this was settled and we didn't need to know every detail. <laughs> and now we find ourselves kind of needing to understand this a little bit better because what we took for granted, we can apparently no huh? longer take for granted. Yeah. So on Monday night, uh, and yes, we're talking about this Wednesday because we sort of needed a day to digest and see what the fallout was going to be from this yeah. leaked what it was was a leaked draft on Monday Night Politico published a leaked draft of a, a potential Supreme Court decision to overrule mm. Roe versus Wade. This is the decision that it uh, passed in 1973. So since 1973, abortion has been legal at the federal level. It has been a constitutional right for the women of America. Um, this obviously has been a battle the whole time. And this leaked draft suggests that the Supreme Court is in fact poised as soon as June or July to undo that federal precedent. Now, as a result, if that draft becomes a formal decision, there are 13 U.S. states that have what are known as trigger laws on the books. Like, should this, you know, it, that basically say if abortion ever becomes, if this decision is overturned, Roe v. Wade, then it will Ill immediately become illegal in this state to some extent. Actually, when I was growing up, Montana had a trigger law like this related to the hmm. federal speed limit. Montana ah. was such a don't tread on me state that they had written into the books that should the, the federal speed limit ever be lifted, 
there would immediately be no speed limit in Montana. And I bring this up because I was working for the Associated Press then. And one of my jobs was to call the sheriff's office every night and get the fatality, traffic fatality reports. Ah. And this was like maybe a year after this happened. And so I would call. They would give me the fatality reports, which just went up and up and up and up and up day after day after day. And it was always like out of staters coming to Montana and speeding through like the Audubon. I bring this up because should these laws go into effect in these 13 states, and there are about 28 other U.S. states that are poised to in some way restrict or outlaw, uh, 28 total U.S. states poised to restrict or otherwise outlaw abortion, um, you can expect adverse effects, including women dying from, you know, efforts at illegal abortion. Anyway, since this leak has come out, obviously there has been a massive uproar on social media and in the real world, there have been protests yeah. in front of the Supreme Court. Last night, there were protests in Los Angeles that were getting very scary in terms yeah. of like and, DHS oh, crackdown on protesters. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, you know, it, it took a day or two to just make sure this was real, right? Right. right. And the courts did uh, make a statement about like, hey, they're going to investigate the leak and everything like that. And now, and I think it's always good with this breaking news because it broke Monday night very late. Yep. Um, I think it may have been after midnight. Uh, it was East like Coast late time. on the Yeah, exactly. It was like nine or 10 Pacific. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, it does take a day or two to grok this, but it does seem like uh, tech and business uh, overall uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, tech business is business uh, is now going to become uh, a big part of the story uh, because yeah. if you're a company and you've got employees in various states, um, you want to protect your employees' ability to choose now. And Tim Urban actually shared um, a pretty good graphic of like what's going on here because I think people maybe don't, you know, it's Who's kind of Tim, a moving tar- Tim, Tim Urban. Urban. Tim Urban is from Wait But Why. He's actually doing a keynote at, uh, he's the number one TED Talk on YouTube. And oh, okay. Number three TED Talk ever. He does Wait But Why, which is a really like great, yeah. um, you know, metrics type site. And if you pull this up, you know, you, you can explain exactly what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty devastating. Uh, this infographic was, you know, like, I think really good. The current situation, we have federal protection. All women can have an abortion. Okay, yes, we get that. Now, there'll be no federal protection. And to Molly's point, we're going to see various groups of women in the United States have different rights when it comes to getting an abortion. There'll be Mm -hmm. some women in states where abortion remains legal. Like, I think New York, California, some of these places actually have those triggers, like you were talking about. Opposite triggers, basically, yeah. Reverse triggers, like, hey, our trigger is going to be, it's going to be in our constitution, right? So I think people are going to start, and that is, I think, the argument the Supreme Court, if this is document is correct, is trying to make that this should be a state issue. Mm-hmm. So federalism versus states' rights has, for for a long time, has been a big debate. Uh, you know, and yeah, this one felt like it was settled as a federal kind of situation. But you're going to have the second group of people. Some so there'll be women in some states where abortion is illegal, and they're going to have if they have the means, they're going to just travel to another state for the procedure. So, and then you have the third group of women. They're going to be uh, in states where abortion is illegal and they don't have the means to travel and they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to get an abortion. And they're going to maybe, you know, um, seek out abortions that are dangerous and illegal. And this is going to be, we're going to have a lot of women dying. Uh, and it's really, truly scary and dystopian. Mm-hmm. It's also <clears throat> um, this, and this, uh, graphic points out that what is not on the table so far 
is a federal <laughs> ban on abortion. Not quite um, to Handmaiden's Tale. Not quite to Handmaiden's Tale. However, so there are a couple, let's start with the tech industry response to this, and then we can talk about sort of the potential downstream effects of this um, draft opinion, at least as written, and what it could mean, and then also what it means oh, for this. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and maybe it would be good for you to just show that the overwhelming, this chart also in the yellow bar chart on the bottom left. Yeah. Makes it super clear, like bring this back. Yep. Yeah, seventy percent. Uh, this is as of August nineteen from Pew surveys, which are I think considered kind of the gold standard. Surveys surveys are not perfect, but when surveys are overwhelming, you you kind of get it. Right. Like this is unchanged. Americans are against an overtone of Roe v. Wade and have been for thirty years. Like yep. this is like a rug pull of rug pulls. You know. Um, this is, I mean, I keep calling people it don't, the, the majority of Americans do not want this. Right. To be this clear. This is a minority rule theocracy, right? Like that is what this law is about. There's no policy reason for this whatsoever. This is like yeah. a minority of Americans who for religious reasons object to this procedure yeah. and are willing to force women to give birth against their will or jail them, them if they don't. Like, let's be super clear about what we're talking. And yeah. this is, I don't know that I can remember in any democracy, but certainly in America, the last time, like these are rights that women have had for 50 years. This is not a like, this is not a yeah. denial of rights the way that gay marriage was for a long time or an infringement or a speech moderation or whatever. This is a literal removal mm. of rights that have been guaranteed for yeah. two generations now. That yeah. is a remarkable situation and that's why you're seeing i think so much of a response even though this was expected based well, on the judges that were appointed it was a hundred percent like if you were a woman <sighs> in america in 2016 you have been waiting for this moment to come and everybody told you you're overreacting and you were like you just wait yeah i mean here here we are and i i think the the to the folks who predicted it would happen you got it right uh and for the folks who gave the benefit of the doubt um you got suckered um straight up so uh, it's, uh, yeah. Um, like, did you just get a note on your, I did. That said my stream, stream is having, having trouble, yeah. but everything mine, seems fine to mine me. Everything fine looks fine. Okay. So stream yeah. looks good. So if you, um, if you trusted that, uh, you know, these recent, I think Trump pointed three, um, mm -hmm. folks to the, to the court, uh, mm -hmm. during his tenure. Um, if you believe them when they said like they felt Roe v. Wade was settled, um, I think you got uh, rug pulled. I think you got duped. So, yeah. Yeah. and listen, I nobody is saying they want more abortions to happen in the world. And I understand people can debate when life happens, and you know th that's all true. I, mm -hmm. I think just for the purposes of our discussion here, the majority of people want something in the country, yeah. and a, a minority it's doesn't. Healthcare. And right. it's, it's you know healthcare. Yes, and. So I guess, you know, we, I, I would say, yeah, probably we do not want to delve into <laughs> at what week should abortion be allowed? You know, a, an important discussion to be sure it's, for scientists and other people to have. But for our purposes, uh, it's not the point, right? The, not point, the is, point here. Yeah. The point is the removal of rights and the trickle down effect that is likely to occur. I mean, literally, yeah. I don't just want to keep saying this. It is taking a right away. That is a yeah. big deal. And I think it's really real. 
when yeah. you start actually taking people's rights away. When the did other that thing, happen? When did that did, has that happened in our lifetime? So I was trying to I was trying to like do a little historical research because I was like, has this ever happened that a democracy has just like reversed, like put the f-ing truck in reverse? Yeah. And when the last time, time yeah, tell me, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find this either. And I listened to all the talking heads and they, they couldn't come up with it either. So I think that the last time it happened that I could find might actually be in America after reconstruction, interestingly. So like huh. after the civil war, there were federal troops in the South to ensure mm-hmm. equality basically. Uh-huh. Right. So then there was this I sort of, huh. there was a brief period during reconstruction when like Black people were participating in the economy at a high level, holding public office, voting. Mm. And all that time, there were federal troops in the South, effectively like making sure that that happened. And then they left. Mm. And then it all went sideways, right? Mm. You had Jim Crow laws come into effect. You had things like the Tulsa massacre, where an entire wealthy part of Tulsa was just like wiped out in literal air raids by private civilians. And then you essentially had a return to segregation in the South. That's the only time I could think of us just going like backwards in time. So now would be a good time to look at tech's reaction to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think this is going to be, I think, very analogous to what Putin just experienced, which is a large portion of companies are going to proactively, there's going to be no pressure needed to be applied here. Mm -hmm. Uh, or, or little pressure will be need to apply, be, be applied because uh, I think tech <laughs> wants to do the right thing here. I think there's a lot of women uh, working in key positions at these companies. And I think a lot of people uh, have daughters, mothers, sisters, and female friends. Uh, and so Amazon is going to, and I, they, they came out with this instantly. Amazon is going to reimburse U.S. employees who travel for abortions and other treatments. I guess they put the other treatments in there so that... It's not just for this one thing, but you know, it covers a couple of things. So that Healthcare. to me, mm-hmm. that seemed to me to you know be uh, they're doing it for abortions. Specifically. And Amazon, that they was wanted like to not make it specifically for abortions, so they came immediate. out. That well, was this came immediate. out early on Tuesday. So good on Amazon. So just mm-hmm. think about that as a statement. Yeah, I mean, uh, they were right there, like very immediately in the morning. Um, And then since then, we've seen Yelp's chief diversity officer, Miriam Warren, rolled out a similar policy actually in mid-April. Yelp had already rolled that out because Texas increased abortion restrictions with that law that, that by the way, and this is, this is notable when we get to our data privacy conversation, Texas's law uh, means anybody who aids and abets, they Mm. say, in an abortion can be held civilly liable and sued. Yep. So as uh, women across America start to spin up a, an abortion underground railroad, there is a whole question of liability that's introduced by that Texas law, which lots of other states are trying to copy. Uber and Lyft, uh, had, when those laws came out, had pledged at the time to cover drivers' legal expenses if they are caught up in Texas and evidently Oklahoma, Oklahoma's provision on abetting abortions. Like Apple, Match Group, Bumble have said they'll cover employee expenses for out-of-state abortions. This is this is pretty coming. It's a it's a healthcare corporate issue, and it's going to be really yeah. hard to stay out of it. And then yesterday, Vice uh, motherboard, Vice's motherboard, published an investigative piece where they purchased aggregated user data from a data broker, SafeGraph, which is selling location data on the open market, including that of people who visit abortion clinics. And now, if we find oh ourselves, my Lord, this is a big if, sort of. 
But yeah. if we find ourselves in the situation in six months where up to 28 U.S. states have outlawed abortion, then the question of data privacy and operational security is going to be a big one. Right. A big one. Well, Chris, yeah, there's 23 states that could ban it. Um, and there's other states that will restrict it, I think. Thirteen, yeah, thirteen uh, will ban. Up to twenty-eight total will. I'm just trying to get. But yeah. I'm just trying to get educated on this. So you yeah, know, we. I think it's some moving enough, past. <laughs> it's yeah, and I, you know, it. Um, I think this is one or two steps away from the next shoe dropping. Um, so yeah, if they want to take a stance where like you help somebody get an abortion as an Uber driver, a doctor, a nurse, a counselor, a psychologist, a a, a priest or, you know, a parent, uh, a parent, like all of a sudden yeah. you're getting arrested. Like this is yeah. a crazy uh, dystopian uh, vision here. Uh, but you could subpoena uh, phone data and you could subpoena uh, like this broker selling it. Okay. That's just seems on the abhorrent. open market. Just go buy it. They yeah. classify Planned Parenthood as a brand that yeah. can be Tracked. Well, and here, uh, important to note, I, you're not getting the person's email address and their name. You're getting a cookie that could you could put an ad against them. Um, so it's, I would think, anonymized data. It's just location data. So you could make a group on an ad network and then show them an ad. But that also means that data could exist, non-anonymized in some database somewhere. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of ways to track people. So this is probably anonymized data, but you can still reach that user, which means, you know, th there's all kinds of ways to track who went to an abortion clinic and then who did searches for abortion. Yeah. So now is Google going to have people search histories uh, tracked? I mean, this is going to get to um, a pretty crazy yeah. outcome here. Uh, but I think now we're going to start to see uh, states that embrace this uh, are perhaps going to lose business. And I think people are going to start voting with their pocketbooks. And so this idea, oh, you know, Florida, Texas, great open states, great places to build businesses, et cetera. You know, I think you're going to start to see some folks question, maybe I don't move to Austin. Maybe I don't move to Miami. Maybe I don't want to support those. Maybe I don't want to open an office there. Uh, and so this is a level of, you know, second and third stream downstream effects that are going to create even more chaos and division in this country. Yeah. And I know that there is a, a debate on, for example, another show that you do about oh. how much companies should engage in these conversations with their employees. Yeah. But the fact is it's unavoidable, right? Like the, especially at a point like this, where we're literally changing the legal fabric under which this country has operated for 50 years yeah. and it, and it's healthcare and it's fundamental. And it's like these bans that, you know, don't take into account uh, whether the pregnancy could kill the mother, whether it's rape or incest, sure. like it, there's no universe in which you're going to be able to separate this from your business. And we are going to increasingly fracture, especially by the way, like as this opinion has, is written now, and we talked a little bit about this, I think in the live stream yesterday, as it's written now, it essentially undoes the the 14th amendment right to privacy like the mm. way that alito wrote this draft opinion mm. effectively says if the rights were not written into the constitution by the slave owning white guys mm. then they they don't 
qualify for protection. He literally is like, this is not a deeply rooted tradition of rights. And that yeah. could then apply to, you know, their legal scholars all over Twitter saying the next thing that's coming is gay marriage. The next thing that's coming is the right to contraception. But the thing that comes after that is businesses being able to do whatever you want because it's about a right to privacy. Yeah, I mean, this is the, you know, again, back to the minority of people dictating for the majority of people what happens mm -hmm. um, is makes this a, a qualitatively and quantitatively very different than I want to talk about Trump at work. I want to talk about immigration at work. I want to talk about BLM at work. You know, you... Those are, um, I'm not going to say niche issues. In some cases, they might be like Im some immigration issues might be niche. It might only matter to some small percentage of people. This is, you know, healthcare fundamental right issue. I think people are going to look at it very differently. Um, I don't see how you avoid this discussion at work. If people are going to make a decision to even come to work at a company, you know, uh, based on this, it's it's this is going to be super challenging. Um, again, yeah. healthcare is attached to employment in our country, so exactly that's a really good point. Of there's like, how no does a way company... not to address it. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is literally taking like this is like you. I, I'm trying to think of the corollary, but in terms of removing a guaranteed right, it's it's just stunning. It's unprecedented, and it probably like a lot of other shoes could and will drop after that because it's basically like somebody on somebody put it, you know. This is a way to undo anything that you find distasteful. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, to the all-in discussion with Brian Armstrong, uh, which I think was two episodes ago, when, you know, Brian famously said, listen, <laughs> we're here to do one mission at Coinbase. You can talk about political issues if you want with your coworkers, just not on the corporate Slack. Do a separate meeting, start your own signal group, whatever's your jam. You can go talk about it. But at work, we're, we're not going to talk about this stuff anymore. And you can opt in or opt out to being at an organization that's politically active or not. I, I think that's fine, right? The private companies, and if it gets everybody more focused, fine. Um, I think that's fine, except that I don't want to hear praise from that from people who are like, we're for unrestricted free speech. I think those are intellectually contradictory positions. Um, like you cannot yeah. say that you have to have an absolute right to free speech on a platform run by a private company, but then unabashedly praise the guy who shut yeah. down all the free speech at his company because what it so, sounds like is that the speech you don't want to hear is the stuff about black people and trans people. So I Sorry. think, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm I, radicalized I, by this situation. So, but that's what I was shouting intelligent, back. My, intelligent people. I like you to have a voice and explain your position, Molly, actually. Yeah. Because um, I think those in, are contradictory. I could see it be contradictory. I, I could see uh, I, I understand that. I think it's a reasonable argument. I think the counter argument would be, um, we're not restricting your speech to this. Uh, you know, you can have that speech just not while we're working. So during the eight hours we're paying everybody, we don't want to have these discussions, whether it's, you know, who should be the mayor, the president, BLM, immigration, Ukraine. We just want that off the table for the eight hours we're working when we're off the clock, by all means, go ahead and do it. Um, so I think that would be their counter argument, um, sure. but it does seem, but I don't think that's any different from me saying, I don't want to be bombarded by disinformation or harassment on Twitter. Could you please moderate that? It's a company. Right. One like it's my choice. Platform. Yeah. And the response is it's my choice to work at Coinbase or it's yeah. my choice to be at Twitter. Right. Like both of the, they're effectively the yeah. same argument. And what it starts to sound like is there's just some speech we like and some speech we don't. I think there, there could be cases where that is the truth. Uh, where like a free speech discussion at work 
might be like encouraged and a discussion about BLM or immigration might not be or Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think people could be selective. I think what they did at Coinbase was to say, just no, nothing but financial economic freedom. Uh, and I'll take him on his word that that was the intent. Um, but you know, it, I, I'm trying to be as open as I can to everybody's position. Um, you know, at this point in my life, so like even when I look at this and I'm like, should it be a federal decision or a state's decision? It's like, okay, I, I get your argument. The s states have power in the United States or whatever, but this has been for 50 years of federal issues. So why would we do this now? Like, right. I get no, it. Like maybe 50 no years ago, that could have been a fine discussion, mm -hmm. but for 50 years, we did it this way. Like a lot's changed in 50 years. Like you really think this is the right way to execute on this? I do not think that this is the right way to execute on this. So I think um, we're going to look back on yeah. this as a real tipping point. It does feel like a moment in time. I agree. I really do. I, do. I think because yeah. I think it's the it's like, you know, to your point, it felt so hypothetical and not possible. And you did have I didn't know, think it was possible. You did have Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett assuring Susan Collins that, you know, it was settled law. And yep. And I think that what we're going to now face is the potential coming true of these predictions and who's acting in good faith and who isn't. I think that, you know, I, yeah. I applaud and respect the the willingness and the desire to take things at face value and engage in these conversations, honestly. Mm. But I also feel like only one side is doing that. Like I don't hear it's any minds getting changed on the other side, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cynical. Point, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cynical what just happened, I think, like for these people who were elected to, you know, basically put out there that they felt it was settled and that for it potentially to flip, like, listen, there's a lot of cards that are going to turn over between then and now. And we, I think the leak is also on the table. Technically, how did the leak happen? So I have a lot of questions about how does a document inside the Supreme Court leave the Supreme Court. I, I know this is a geeky IT thing, but shouldn't they be on a closed network where documents can't leave and there's cameras everywhere and everybody logs into their computer with a very specific uh, login that's tracked and every behavior is tracked. So if somebody exported this document, like how does a document leave the building at the Supreme Court? Who is in charge of IT? I'm only, the I FBI, know. I mean, <laughs> I'm this only is so like, easy to solve. I'm like, only smiling because I of the small familiarity I have with federal IT budgets, which are basically like zero. <laughs> I mean, they're literally working on like one, like Windows 95 up in here oh, okay. in the yeah. federal government. But also like probably they just walked out with it or took pictures of the documents. They operate on a lot of paper. I know these, I, I mean, now they're going to, I think the way the... Supreme Court is going to have to work is when you come in there, like the building is a skiff in it, in and of itself. Uh, you know, these rooms where you can't bring devices in, like nobody should be allowed into the Supreme Court to bring their phones, devices, laptops, the computers in there, stay in there. The documents never leave there. If you work on the documents, you're in there. The document, there's no floppy disk. There's no thumb drives. No documents are allowed to leave any of the machines there. Um, cause here is the document. Now, does this document well, look like it was printed and then exported to a PDF? I don't know if any forensic has been done, I think uh, but it's been. obviously an inside job. Like this wasn't like no. a justice is left it on a subway. You know, like sometimes that happens. Like there was a famously, some NBA coach left their playbook during a Knicks series, like mm -hmm. in a, in a cab 
And then somebody found the playbook and was like, should I give this to the opposing coach? This was this scanned. So they, somebody, this feels like somebody got a printed copy and then scanned it. I don't know the forensics on this, but um, yeah. What is interesting though, is that there, pro there isn't that existing OPSEC in the security in the Supreme court because there hasn't ever needed to be. Got it. Right. Like I think hmm. this is, it, this is not unprecedented. There have been leaks about the, about decisions before, but to, but it is very, very, very unusual and a huge deal because there has been such traditionally, like this is a tipping point in a lot of ways. One mm. is the potential erosion of a lot of rights that this could be just the mm. start of, but two is like, you know, I, I, I think a lot of us have felt cynical about the direction of the Supreme court. You know, five of the sitting justices were appointed by presidents who did not win the popular vote. Mm. Like it's been increasingly a minority rule unelected body yeah. and Congress has been so dysfunctional that we've outsourced our lawmaking to this unelected body that is made up mostly of people who were placed by presidents who didn't win the popular vote. So like problems, but this is like the end of that institution. This is like, you could still believe if you had ever wanted to be a lawyer. Like I thought about going to law school. My dad's a judge. Mm -hmm. You could still believe for a really long time that, that the, the sheer importance of the work that happened at the Supreme court was itself sacred that the, mm -hmm. Being there was moderating because you really understood yeah. the law and you opened yourself to every argument. I, and I, I spent my whole life so believing in the Supreme sad. Court. It just felt yeah. like they would do the right thing. And now yes. it feels like they will not do the right thing. I think this is where, you know, the reaction to this is, you know, and, and maybe it's a good thing, you know, like maybe the fact that we now question the WHO, like who's paying their budget exactly? Okay. Who China's paying part of the budget? Maybe they don't want to embarrass China. Okay, like we, we need to just re-examine every group and figure out are they trustworthy or not? Uh, yeah. And yeah. you know, is the Supreme Court trustworthy or not? Is the New York Times trust every institution? Harvard, just pick something that you looked at and said, "I believe in this." It's Harvard. I believe in it. It's the Supreme Court. I believe in it. it's the World Health Organization. Okay, there there are humans running organizations. Humans are imperfect. We should, you know, definitely, I'm not saying don't trust anybody, but you certainly would want to trust and verify like that this is a a sound establishment in court. It just doesn't feel that way now. It's sad. Because you're going against the majority of Americans. Yes. And that is Which, to troubling. be fair, yeah. Brown versus the Board of Education, like the yeah. desegregation rulings, the civil rights rulings also went through, went against a majority of fair Americans. Point. Yeah. So there's that. But I think the fact that there was this leak and the mm -hmm. fact that these judges seem to have been placed in some cases specifically for this purpose mm -hmm. does suggest that there's a lack of faith internally mm -hmm. in whoever leaked this, like they've lost the faith, right? In the sanctity and the reasonableness of this organization. And that's sort of, that's a hard thing because it felt uh, like this was like the last bastion. Such a, such a terrible decision and I think we talked about this on the live stream yesterday, but it's such a, but not in the episode because we did a little preamble about our initial reactions to it. One of the reasons possibly to <laughs> subscribe to youtube.com slash this weekend and click the subscribe alert button is because we'll talk a little more freely on the live stream before we do a formal episode uh, sometimes. <clears throat> uh, and the, the reaction to the Republican party based on this is going to be so brutal to them. Like this is like they, the dog chased the car and now the dog has got a mouthful of fender mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, now I'm being dragged by a car down the road and I am biting metal. This is not comfortable. Like, what have I done? 
It's like you shouldn't have caught the car. Yeah. Not a good strategic move. Uh, like you won. What did you win here, Republicans? Okay, I mean, you, you stacked the deck. You, you yeah. flipped Roe v. Wade. Now 50% of the voting, I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage of women who vote versus men. I think it's slightly more women vote. So, I mean, this is going to be disastrous. I think it is. I mean, this is a very moderate, exactly. Like this is a moderate, this is a center to center right country. We do not elect radicals to national office very often. The house is its own clown show. And it's, and let's be clear, right? Like it's so, these states are Mm. so gerrymandered. Mm. Like they have constructed such a ridiculous house. I mean, the fact that like a Marjorie Taylor Greene is in no danger of losing her seat, Mm. none. Tells you everything you need to know about gerrymandering in these states, uh, but we don't. But like, if the Republican Party just continues to put forward more and more and more conspiracy theory spouting, election denying, rights taking away candidates, like it's a really go nice for strategy. it, go yeah. for it, party. I go mean, crazy. I just what I, I mean, and I said this to all into Sachs. You know, we had these discussions. I was like, because he does not believe it should have been overturned. He he was very clear about that. Like, I think the people in the Republican Party who would like to win and would like to see a more purple kind of thing happen, maybe pull over some moderates to the Republican Party, like that effort, which was really working well, uh, I think for Republicans saying like, hey, less tax, okay, don't hate billionaires. Like there was this whole Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders um, moment, what they, I guess they call Democratic Socialists is what they Mm -hmm. call themselves or I think it's Democratic Elizabeth Warren does not. Bernie does. Bernie does. Okay. So, but I think people put them into that bucket uh, where it's not socialism, but socialist Democrats. I think that turned off a lot of moderates, myself included. Not that I'm running into the, I, I consider myself an independent to be clear, but I think a lot of people were kind of like, oh yeah, Texas is kind of cool. <laughs> Miami's kind of cool. Oh yeah. DeSantis kind of cool. Like, yeah. oh yeah, maybe this is like, uh, maybe the, the left is, now this is like the right going super crazy. So now it's like even more, we need a third party of rational actors to just go after the the purple moderate yeah. majority in this country where like, just leave it alone. Like there's bigger things for us to work on. Oh my Lord, this is going to be a distraction for the next number of years. Like we're literally putting At the least. country into a civil war over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this will, this will break us as a country. Like this is, it already has right. Mission accomplished. Seeds of division sowers, like mission accomplished Putin. Yeah, I mean, if, Putin, honestly, if Putin's behind, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, it, it, the chaos agents are at work. I, the you know, chaos I mean, agents are at work yeah. and they have succeeded because we will not, as a country, we will be an ungovernable clown show for a minimum of a generation. Like, because mm-hmm. who's coming together over this? You're just going to decamp to your little states mm-hmm. and yep. live in your silos and yeah. and, and, and never the twain shall meet. And the, the agents of division will keep going. We already have this with gun rights. I mean, if you look at gun rights and how they're executed at a state by state level, you know, in New York, you can't have a gun. And in Austin, I was at dinner and somebody pulled up their shirt and had a Glock in their waist at dinner with me. In Ohio now, you don't even have to have a license. You can open carry so, any weapon with no license. Sure. Fine. Go so crazy. This is, I think now you're going to have to, when you decide what state you live in here as an American, you're going to have to take out like a, make a pro con list. Like mom yeah. always said, pros and cons. You put some pros and cons over here. It's gonna be like, pro, uh, yeah, low taxes. Con, everybody's carrying a gun. <laughs> pro, you know, like and if low your taxes. kid is gay, they probably won't be able to get married in that state in a couple yeah. more pro, months. Or years. Low, yeah. Pro, low housing costs. 
con, your gay kid is going to potentially be beat up, ostracized, or murdered. Mm-hmm. Pro. <laughs> right. Low taxes. I mean, Low I'm housing. Glad, like, I am super glad to hear you say this because all the conversations about Miami and Austin, I'm like, wow, it must be really nice to be able to ignore everything about the political environment in that state. I think I have like, a, I, I have a challenge. For business. I have a challenge to that. I am encouraging people to go to Austin. I'm going to encourage people to go to Miami and Florida because I think the influx of Democrats there is going to turn those states purple. And I think that's why Beto did so well. And like, it's conceivable a Democrat could be the governor of Texas. Um, So I kind of like it. I like uh, Democrats going there. I understand like, it's also like you're voting with your dollar, literally, to pay yeah. taxes in that state and to participate and, so, and live there. So you're voting with your time, your money, your very existence, geographically at least. Uh, you know, but this is I a think big, you could, yeah. Yeah, Stacey Abrams has made this argument about Georgia too. Like, don't pull your businesses out of these states. Don't move away from them. Like, stay and try to make change from the inside. And I think there's a lot of value to that. That is very true. It's the argument we constantly have about China. Do you engage with China like Apple, Tesla, and others are doing? And that has made them dependent on us, made us dependent on them. That interdependency in the engagement argument means change will happen in that country. And Apple can say, listen, our factory workers are jumping off the building. Mm -hmm. We need to have people on the ground. We want to have a certain level of um, rights for factory workers. And Tim Cook visits those factories, took it seriously. I don't know if you remember, like 10 years ago, it was a huge story. Five or 10 years ago, it was a big story of like suicides at Apple factories specifically. Mm -hmm. So to Tim Cook's mind, hey, listen, we're there, we're on the ground. It's a different country. They have different sets of rights, but hey, people aren't killing themselves. We know they have a good standard of living. The middle class is growing. And if you look at the poverty chart, which I think I sent to our group chat, I think, and actually I tweeted it, you know, the iPhone and Amazon and the engagement of the West in China has reduced abject, like serious poverty in the world dramatically. Hundreds of millions of people are no longer in the bucket of like severely poor in the world because of iPhones and right. Amazon basics. <laughs> does and it think- mean that Wuhan, uh, does it mean that um, the Uyghurs are still not being tortured, right? So you have to right. keep these two things in your head. They're running well, yes. a concentration camp and slave labor and three or 400 million people have come out of poverty. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like on a moral basis, I'm no philosophy major here, but I I don't know how to resolve that. I just know that for me personally, I couldn't engage with China for that Mm -hmm. reason. But I can understand people have a different opinion. Yeah. And the logical conclusion of that too, is that businesses uh, will need to continue to, that if businesses can make change on that level and do an overall good, then they will have to engage politically as well. And that that Disney and Apple will have to take into account their future, you know, employee bases and say, yeah, we actually, we, we are a company that will stand up for human rights. We are a company mm-hmm. that will say abortion yeah. is healthcare. And if you need to get one in another state than where you live, we will pay yep. for that. Like there isn't any universe in which companies, especially since Citizens United gives them the same rights as people in our democracy, mm-hmm. then there's no universe in which they get to sit this out and say, sorry, it's just work. And look at this, look at this chart, Molly. I think just as yeah. I brought it up yeah, anyway. Yeah, pull that back up again. Yeah, you look at extreme poverty, extreme poverty, which I am not sure of the definition, but it was living under a certain number of dollars a day, I think is how they said it. And you just look at South Asia, East Asia, and Pacific just absolutely plummeting uh, over the last couple of decades. And obviously, Sub-Sahara, uh, Africa, 
not plummeting, right? Um, but now factories are moving there. The Chinese are actually building factories. I mean, you oh, start yeah. thinking about China's this. China's like, taken over Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Now, yeah, less than $1.90 a day, I guess, is the new definition. It used to be under a dollar a day. Obviously, it's a moving target. But if you're listening, what you see is like, you know, a billion people coming out of poverty. And that's what globalization did. So this is a very hard, there are some hard truths here um, that people, uh, and and some tolerance for ambiguity and some cognitive dissonance all occurring when you look at the metrics, Mm -hmm. globalization and engaging dictatorships and engaging authoritarian regimes quite paradoxically, has resulted in less suffering. Absolutely full stop. Yeah. So now you have to ask yourself, if we didn't engage, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. Would there have been more change? Would there have been a civil war? I mean, these are all, we talked about alternative history the other day too. This is that. And my love of it, this is that. Like, yeah. so if I made the decision to not engage China because of the human rights stuff, maybe I keep 400, 500 million people in poverty longer. Right. Now, maybe they then have a civil war and then the whole country flips. You, you, nobody is, you have to be humble enough to realize nobody has the answer here. No. Um, but we should be studying like, it and talking about it. There's short term and long term thinking about this too, right? This, which, well, about the suffering and also the, the effects. Like one of the big. Explain that to the, explain that to the audience because you and I were talking about this privately. I think it's a kind of an interesting. We're talking about this um, privately. There's, I mean, there's, there's it as a concept generally, right? Short term thinking versus long term thinking. Long term globalization lifts all boats. Hundred percent. That was always the sort of like Obama doctrine, and he got a lot of Clinton, and there and a big part of the before Trump that. populist and Clinton before that, and a big part of the Republican and American and Trump populist backlash to that is because in the short term, some boats sink. Mm-hmm. Those boats are in you know manufacturing areas yes. in the United States or 100%. all of the areas that have been economically devastated as a result of globalization. So our factories along, went to Japan, our factories went to China, our factories went, went to, to Vietnam, Mexico, Mexico totally. and they took our jobs, as they say on South Park, right? And we did right. lose factory jobs. Um, and we did lose factory jobs because there are short-term impacts to long-term thinking. Yep. And so it like it's like all about sort of manage. And I think the big knock on Obama is that he was such a like up here thinker about globalism, just like long-term, this is better for the world. And what is better for the world is right. better for the United States. There's long-term global security when more and more people come out of poverty because people fight over scarcity Yep. and the perception of scarcity. Yeah. I mean, it's if, if you don't know how you're going to feed your family next month, next week, today, tonight, like it's a different level. Those are all very different levels of fear, right? Mm -hmm. And Americans who feel fear of, uh, Americans are not feeling, putting aside all the statistics that people can make up of this, like, and it was kind of a bogus one that they don't have $400 kind of situation. Um, Some of those things have been debunked because those were surveys, um, not actual reality in some cases. We we actually did that survey that came from Marketplace. It did? Oh my God. Well, I mean, it was a survey, right? So we can explain that. It was a survey. So there were plenty of people who said, yes, in an emergency, I couldn't come up with $200 or $400. There's real scarcity in America. Right. And then there is perceived and planted and propagandized scarcity. The fear of the other coming to take it off. But that $200, I think, they they perceived they couldn't come up with it in some cases. Some cases people had $1,000 on their credit card, so they could. Right. Right. Or they could have asked the family. So anyway, I, I, it, 
mission accomplished and Beside the point, a really right? good discussion. But, right. Like there is uh, either real scarcity or there's perceived scarcity. And as a result, there is conflict. The idea that an American would starve in 2022 to death is quite farcical. I mean, maybe not children, because children, you can be malnourished and that kind of stuff. I but know, the idea careful, that, careful, like that's how our lives get, careful. The, you could be malnourished. You, you could be, be malnourished and food insecure. Food insecure. Now, food insecure is different than starving to death in yes. Africa because Fair. you literally cannot find 500 calories. True. Food insecure here might be defined as eating bad food might be defined as 1,500 calories a day, not 2,000. Whereas mm-hmm. in Africa, it could be, I didn't eat for three days. You know, I'm, I'm sustaining myself on 500 calories. There are people in the world sustaining themselves on much less than the 2,000 calories. Um, so this is where like politics and people with agendas, like I, I just love when I actually have the metrics in front of me. <laughs> it's like, how many calories do people have to eat? And there are some countries where people have 1200 or 1400 calories a day to eat. Yeah. Uh, and that that's truly like, okay, how do we get them more calories? We should really talk about that. Um, so let's see, as many as 6% on and declining mm-hmm. uh, of Americans have very low food security. I don't even know what that means, but. Well, very low see. food security, food insecurity. Um, so yeah, we'd have to find the definitions of very low. Of very low foods. Food anyway, yes. Yeah. There is legitimately hunger in America. There is also there are also plenty of people with plenty of junk food and cable and whatever who believe There's no famine in America. We're not having believe, a famine here, right? Right. But there are plenty of people who believe that some other is coming to take what they have. Sure. And that is the root of like a lot of the conflict that we're seeing today. And so the question is how do you manage both? How do you like yeah. deal with the long term without yes. sacrificing people in the short term? Mm-hmm. So that's the conversation we were having right now. It's like if you're only And can goal, you do both? And, and can, can you, do, you both? do both? And if you're and a good you, politician, you got to just say stuff. Yeah, <laughs> You have to figure out how to do some version of both. You have to. Well, and I think, you know, looking to the government to solve all problems, obviously you'll be quite disappointed uh, because these are people, generally speaking, of low moral character who only care about staying in office and are grifters in many cases. Yeah. So I have very low uh, respect for and love of politicians, generally speaking, like ever since I met some of the top politicians who were like, tell me what your positions are so I can support them. Like literally a, one of the highest profile politicians in the world said that to me, that they wanted to tell understand. Tell me your position so they, can, so they can support them? Literally said it that way. And I was like, what if my, I just thought to myself, like, what if I, my position is like horrible, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, it was really weird uh, the way it was phrased to me. Uh, but uh, well, that's terrifying. You know, I mean, we don't even have time to get into like money and politics and exactly. gerrymandering and blah blah blah. Like there are a million things. Here's that are the good here, news: but... you, the first company you did in the climate syndicate is doing one little short-term thing. Yeah, just one little device solving one little problem that could be the start of, you know, and could 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 change forever. One of the biggest polluting. Uh, sources Industries on the planet. in the world. Yeah. Exactly. But it yeah. all starts with a little sensor and a little bit of software with a half dozen people, you know, somewhere in an office grinding it out. Uh, and so that's one of the great things we can solve, you know, s- solving uh, a small problem that, you know, a lot of people are having mm-hmm. could reduce a lot of suffering. It's true. You know, if everybody was 10% happier right now, like if you could come up with a device that made the entire world 1% happier, 
in aggregate, that's a lot more happiness. Yeah, it's yes, totally. I, I have a friend actually who says over and over not to derail us because we should talk about earnings, but we I derailed ourselves who, this episode. Well, I have a friend actually who says that one of the most dangerous principles enshrined in the creation of America is the um, part of the Declaration of Independence that says the pursuit of happiness. Mm, love because it. it's if you think you have an inalienable right to the pursuit of happiness, then yeah. anything that makes you unhappy is in your way. And it becomes this like Asimov's third law thing. You know how like, the third law says the robots have to protect humans at all yes. costs. Yeah. So then the robots eventually figure out that the only way to protect humans is to off humans because they're yes. constantly killing themselves. Yeah. So like, if you think you have an undeniable inalienable right to happiness, yeah. then everybody around you is basically a threat to that. And it just becomes this like destructive, like zero sum game. Uh, like if I'm happy, you're unhappy. Yeah. It's just really. It's just Luckily, really the rest of the Declaration of Independence and everything. It's a very interesting know. philosophy bomb. But yes, the rest of it is good. Well, the rest of it is also to protect you from infringing on everybody. So if my view of happiness is you don't get to have a gun or you don't get to practice your religion, sorry. Or you don't get to have abortions. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, exactly. Which a, yeah. Oh, God. Exactly. Full circle here. Full All right. Circle. Let's go okay. to tech earnings. earnings because it was a tale of two cities uh, in the Uber and Lyft race. Uh, luckily, I bet on the right horse. I was going to uh, say, damn. Like, well, what a 24 hour like... period it's been. Um, my Lord, I, it's like a roller coaster. I don't I have never seen two companies diverge like this. Not since Google and Yahoo. Good um, one. Yeah, it, was a, good it was a pretty good divergence. I'm trying to think of another divergence. I guess Mac and Apple back. I was going to say uh, way back. Apple and Microsoft. Apple and Microsoft when mm -hmm. Apple went at it was about to go out of business and go bankrupt and Microsoft was printing money. So Let's break down what happened here. Lyft report. Lyft and Uber reported their quarterly earnings. We're going to do them Tuesday and Wednesday at the market close, I guess, for mm -hmm. both. And then Uber moved up their earnings. I've never seen that happen from tonight, Wednesday, to early this morning, crack of dawn, before the sun came up. Explain what happened with Lyft first, because Lyft, right. everybody knows, is a fraction of the size of Uber and doesn't have the Eats business and isn't as global. So let's break right. down that. <laughs> and as a result, earnings were, let me put it gently. Oof. Uh, Lyft reported Q1 results. Let's start with the like, okay news. Yeah, this they is great reported, news, actually. This is yeah. great news, actually. We should all hope Top line, great. 44% year over year growth. Lyft reported revenue of $875 million in the quarter. Almost a billion dollars made that quarter. Fantastic. Uh, that was up 44%, as I said, year over year. However, it was paired with a net loss of $196.9 million. They're shrinking 53% year over year. Right. And the active riders, this is almost like shades of Netflix here. Active riders were 17.8 million missing expectations by about 200,000 riders. Not Got a it. massive miss, but still. Yeah. Sales and marketing was Lyft's fastest growing cost. That was up 61% year over year, suggesting that two things. One, Lyft is very desperate to advertise to people and get new customers. And also Drivers. a key part of that is driver retention Drivers, costs. Yeah. Keeping they the mix that I guess they mix that into the marketing promotion costs. I guess so paying for the drivers and doing advertising and spiffs, spiffs being basically payoffs to get you to drive for them. So bonuses, join and get 500 bucks. And, uh, and as a result, I guess their stock went down 30% or something to uh, something huge. This huge. is what happens in a network effect business, folks. Um, you know, uh, and I guess we should tell the Uber side of the story, but when well, you yeah. have a network size business, mm -hmm. what can very quickly happen is the network that wins 
gets into an accelerating spiral of growth and profitability. And then the one that's losing, and I'm not just saying this because I happen to have picked the right team and I'm dunking or anything. I've, I've dunked enough over the last decade, but <laughs> this is just a great business lesson. Yeah. Uber reported their Q1 results. Let's go through that. And then we'll talk about what's happening to the two businesses in terms of drivers, I suspect. Yeah. And let's talk about them moving earnings up. So yep. what happened after this Lyft report was that their stock, I mean, their stock started tanking like crazy. It was such mm -hmm. a disaster. This was a great tweet. Connor Sen wrote, Uber's pulling out the old, we're not Lehman, move up the earnings announcement playbook, which I feel like we should explain a little bit. Much like Netflix's miss caused the whole streaming industry, right, to suffer massive yeah. stock losses. As soon as Lyft's stock started tanking, Uber probably was like, oh, crap. Uh, this is what I'm assuming. And I'm, I guess I'm, I think I'm right. Mm -hmm. That Uber was like, we have to hurry up and report our earnings so that people don't think that this entire industry is a it's dud. Not the, it's not the sector. It's, it's not the sector. Yeah. It's just them. Well, and we're doing fine. Uber's doing fine. <laughs> and to, um, if you, to back to network effects, which is what this really is about for founders who are listening, network effects become compounding and they become more and more vicious, um, uh, you know, to the person who doesn't have the network effect and the gains just start accumulating. And we saw this with Facebook and what they did to MySpace, you know, or Microsoft at the time with sales of Windows PCs versus Macs back in the day, uh, or the iPhone versus Nokia and Motorola would be another one where right. the network effects and then the network effects of Android also um, sort of solidified that. But Uber uh, reported Q1 results of $6.85 billion uh, of revenue up 136%. That's so like more than double. Seven times Lyft's yeah. revenue? Yeah, yeah that, that's always been the case that they were a magnitude bigger. Yep. Um, now they had a loss uh, because of declines in Grab, Aurora, and DD stakes. Remember, Grab went public, uh, and I think um, uh, Brad Gerson, a friend of the pods, um, you know, was a SPAC that. Aurora is their self-driving spin-out, and DD, which was then moved to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange when Xi Jinping decided no more uh, embracing the West stock markets, or the stock markets of the West, I should say. So that was $5.3 billion of their net loss. In other words, marking that stuff down. It has nothing to do with the core business. Um, that's a really big order of magnitude of loss compared to lifts, but okay. <laughs> well, no, but you have to understand it has nothing to do with the, it has nothing to do with the core business, which doubled, oh, yeah. right? It has to do with their stakes in, so, you know, if zoom owned a piece mm -hmm. of Peloton or actually the, 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 um, the better analogy would be Amazon owning the Rivian piece, like Amazon writing down the Rivian saying, yeah, investment exactly. is like, does that have anything yeah. to do with Amazon? It has nothing to do with Amazon, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just so, a lot. It's a lot. It's um, a lot because the ooh. DD piece was worth, I think, $10 billion and it got probably cut 30 40%, 50%. That's yeah. what I'm guessing uh, that is. It's just all DD. And then when it, in terms of their fundamentals, monthly act, active platform consumers were up $115 million. That's up 17% year over year, down 3% quarter over quarter. Those are total users between the Eats business and the Rides business. Yep. And then in terms of that all-important piece, drivers, the mm. key to the whole freaking thing, yep. quote, our driver base is at a post-pandemic high and more engaged on Uber than on other platforms. Right. So what's really happening here, um, to explain it again, is if Lyft is losing drivers to Uber Eats, uh, Uber, DoorDash, and other and Amazon, I think, has freelance drivers too. 
if they're losing people to you know, that business, they've got to spend more to get drivers on the platform, which means they're less profitable and they're running out of money. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have as many drivers, then the wait times are going up. If the wait times are going up, people are picking Uber. Yeah. If they're picking Uber, the drivers who are not locked into any platform, remember, they usually have two phones ro- rocking at the same time and they're switching, be- or they have one phone and they're switching between apps. So because they're independent contractors, uh, you know, like back to that whole, like, do people get to choose how they, they work? Yeah. They get to choose. They have the freedom to choose. They can... They'll look at the rides coming in and say, well, I have to wait 20 minutes for a ride, you know, pick a, pick a, a geo. If I got to wait 20 minutes for a ride for Lyft, that's 20 minutes of not getting paid. If I have to wait 10 minutes for Uber, I'm just going to, the liquidity of the marketplace, liquidity means like how fast it moves, yep. a buyer and a seller, a I seller also- of a ride, a buyer of a ride. If that liquidity is, you know, um, you know, vibrant, uh, more vibrant on Uber than Lyft, mm-hmm. all the users and drivers, supply and demand move. Oh, that's like the debt spiral they're in at Lyft. I think they have to get sold now. I think Postmates has oh, to buy them. God. Somebody has to buy them. You're probably right. Well, because here's what I think is actually the the super genius move, the super genius part of this that, that Uber most likely did not even see coming when they invested mm-hmm. in Eats, which was smart because food delivery makes sense. Yeah. Is that the if I'm a driver, yeah. I would much rather, in general, but specifically during a deadly pandemic, drive food around than people. Mm-hmm. And so I bet, and I don't I'm sure they don't break it out, but I bet that part of the reason that driving mm-hmm. is up on Uber overall is yeah. that even if people aren't taking cars, mm-hmm. and they're probably taking them more, they're clearly taking them more now because the pandemic is receding and whatnot. But if you can be driving food around, you're not worried about your safety as much yeah. as when you're driving people around. So there's just something very appealing, yeah. I bet, as a driver Absolutely. about a platform that just lets you drive, you know, you nailed it around. Well, not only did you nail it, um, I uh, saw Dara at the um, at the Warriors game the other night. We talked and I asked him how the business is going. It's great. You know, and I said, how's Uber Eats doing? Yeah, it's doing great. And, you know, we got drivers on both platforms doing both, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that's obviously a, a big focus of what they're doing. So said another way, you might come onto the platform, Molly, and only want to deliver food. You don't want somebody in your car. Yeah. Then, well, if you're in the app and it offers you an airport job and it pays 70 bucks and there's no Uber Eats jobs right now, yeah, you might take one or two. Yeah. Uh, and you might try it. I think that's what's happening. I think the Uber Eats people are becoming livery drivers as well, ride-sharing drivers as well. So you get two right. swings at the bat. Because that if unease might be receding. They're like, okay, I feel better about this now. I can make yeah. a lot of money. Right. Once and, you're in, it's like a gateway drug. Once you're in for food, you're probably in for people. And it's the pandemic's over. We're now in an endemic. So I think we just have to start using the word endo- endemic. endemic. So like, let's just take the win. The pandemic's over. It's an endemic now, at least here in America. I mean, China with the zero COVID policy might be radically different, but it's an endemic here. People are not wearing masks. Uber drivers don't have to wear masks. People aren't wearing masks on flights and, you know, putting aside people who are immunocompromised, the country is acting as if this is an endemic now. Yeah, and, the, yeah, yeah. and then that's so, the guidance everybody's been given. So let's just start using right. the word endemic. And We're in an endemic. do feel safer overall, but also it's just a competitive do, yeah. advantage to for Uber yes. to have had this option the whole time. And Lyft yeah. never built that out, right? They were all in on rides. Yeah. And so yep. your suggestion that a Postmates, who owns, boy, doesn't Uber own Postmates? Who could buy Lyft? DoorDash? I guess DoorDash could buy Lyft possibly. I don't know that they would need to. It'd be worth oh, it for huh? them. Yeah, so... Like, that's the problem is like anybody who's an up and coming there, the uh, 
you you might be buying into a business that is receding and mm -hmm. then it drags your strong business down. So it, that's the, right. that's the challenge. If you were to buy it, you would have to be investing in it. So it would have to be someone like Amazon who had a thesis on how to like really invest in the business because the business is trending down. You might need to go in there and do layoffs, shut down cities, and then be prepared to invest a couple of billion dollars a year in losses to catch up to Uber, right? So it would be like, oh yeah, Yahoo's got value as a business. Do we try to catch up to Google? It's like, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. Right. And then people did try to invest in the Nokia's and the, you know, Motorola's and the, you know, other smart app phone makers. And it just didn't work. Blackberry yeah. comes to mind, right? Like remember Blackberry was like going to try to do a revival and oh, over to and Android. Over. They, they tried over. like four or five times. It didn't work, right? It's I went hard. to so many sad Blackberry events. Like now we have this square phone. Like, oh God, you guys are killing me. Killing yeah. Me. I mean, I wish I had, I wish I had a keyboard phone, man. I loved it. I loved, I loved my, my trio. I had my trio loved 350. So good. So Let's good. talk about Airbnb where uh, earnings are interesting, thing. but there's so much more interesting afoot. We have prediction time. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So first of all, Airbnb crushed it. Reported yep. earnings for Q1 yesterday on Tuesday. Beat expectations on revenue, gross booking value, and nights booked. Boom, boom, boom. Revenue was up. Uh, revenue was $1.5 billion up 70% year over year. 80% over 2019, which is not a shock, the 2019 part. So they had 1.5 and Uber had 6.8. Yeah. Just to give it the scale of the business. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Uber had, wasn't 6.8 the loss? No, no, no. Yeah. 6.8 billion right. was their yeah, top yeah. line revenue. Yeah. 6.8 so, was the top line revenue. Yeah. Airbnb. Wow. That's a, that's an interesting. Just pointing it out. Comparison. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I don't own Airbnb. I do own Uber. So. I to just be fair, out, like, hmm. well, and actually they both had pretty rough years, but again, Uber had freaking food delivery that like yes, that little decision, it. which was not little was it saved yep. the whole ship. Talk it about did. a path dependency yeah. question. If they didn't have anti-fragile is the term you're looking for. That is the term I'm looking for. You're so anti-fragile. Yeah. So no, smart. I mean, it's anti-fragile totally like, in, in chaotic times. Does your business do better? And it turned out if it rains and people don't want to go out, they Uber eat. Yeah. And yep. if it's beautiful out and they want to have a couple of drinks and sit outside uh, and, and enjoy some ramen and have some sake or some beers, they, Uber they eat. take an Uber. <laughs> or they take an Uber, right, totally. Yeah. Or if they're lazy and tired and they got a family and everybody's whining and they don't want to get in the car, they take to Uber Eats. So it's like you can't lose, you right? You can't lose, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Airbnb also could not lose. Nights and experiences yeah. booked were 102.1 million, up 59% year over year, up 26% over 2019. Gross booking value was $17.2 billion. That's up 67%. Mm. Net loss was $19 million, basically break even. And then, yeah. and Brian Chesky had a really interesting thread. Well, um, and before you go to that thread, I think just the quality the of the revenue oh, here yeah. and not having any competitors is now just to, to thread the, the two stories together, network effects. Yeah. The network effect of Airbnb does have a competitor. Um, it's called VRBO, mm -hmm. I guess. And mm -hmm. then there's HomeAway. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and yeah. And then there's um, hotels in the world. And then there's hotels are starting. I saw with Bonvoy, which is the Marriott. And the, I have a lot of points on Bonvoy. They have like a million points. Bonvoy is now doing like their own getaways. So they are including inventory. Mm. When you search, I don't know if you noticed that, like you can rent a home. So you search for a hotel in Palm Springs. And I guess Bonvoy, that group of hotels now also has some inventory of their own that is Airbnb-like. 
Interesting. But they don't have a, a, but it's a not there's real. no Lyft to Uber. There's no DoorDash to Uber Eats yeah. analogy here. They're, they're, which means I think that they can be more profitable now as opposed to Uber which will or DoorDash, which that, that war has to settle down. And the other thing that is, you know, again, with the pandemic effect, the other thing that's so interesting about Airbnb, and a lot of this thread was about rebooting the business. I mean, they took such swift, decisive action with the layoffs. And full disclosure, my ex-husband was laid off from Airbnb, like right after oh, the wow. pandemic started. Couldn't have worked they out were in, I was about they to say, were incredible. they gave them six months or something like that? I don't know, something like that. I mean, they gave him, they gave them unbelievable severance. Brian Chesky was out there like, hey, does anyone want to hire these people? Yep. And then yep. because the the name recognition of Airbnb was so good and these people were laid off through no fault of their own, everybody, I mean, he was, he had a new job, like as soon as he wanted one, basically, it was not, it was, they really, really took care of the people that they laid off. They also acted incredibly quickly, like, hmm. okay, get to it. I mean, it was just like a phenomenal leadership exercise. Looking at the layoffs, um, I found a website that just tracks layoffs, mm -hmm. layoffs.fii. I don't know. I've never heard of this, but I just oh, yeah. did a search for it. And I was um, looking at this at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. According to this website, you know, they laid off 1,900 employees, 25%, uh, which back in May 7th, 2020, just uh, two years ago, almost exactly, uh, mm -hmm. to the day, they laid off 1,900 employees, 25%. That's a major one in four people out the it door. Was huge. Yeah. Minimum was 14 weeks of base pay and 12 months of health insurance. Um, and I, uh, they let mm -hmm. them keep their Apple laptops. Uh, yeah. And remember this, and again, this was like seeing the writing on the wall. That was, mm -hmm. if you remember, like March 11th is essentially when everything shut down in the US. Mm -hmm. And by May, Airbnb was like all hands on deck, pulled the fire alarm, laid off 25% of the staff, completely rebooted the business. And then ended up, you know, in something I think no one saw coming, enabling the future of remote work. No big. Yes. And so this is brilliant. I don't know if we talked about it on a previous show, but my take on it was, you know, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. They're yeah. telling people to do staycations uh, and to, to be, you know, nomads and to live their best life and enjoy and leverage remote work. Well, how do you do that? You put your house on Airbnb. Because there's no way to swap houses. We were talking about it before in our private chat. It's kind of hard to swap houses. So mm -hmm. what do you do? You put your house on the market. You rent it. You get the money. And then you go find a house that you want to rent in Palm Springs for two months. And you let somebody rent yours for two months. And you hope it works out. And hey, so house, you, you're stealing my prediction. House swap is actually my prediction. Because that they had house swap. Well, he teased that there was going to be some... Massive change. His last tweet said on May 11th, we'll introduce the biggest change to Airbnb in a decade. Ooh, ooh. The only hint that he gave in the, so then he was like, check our letter to investors for like a hint. And the hint said that there would be a completely new way to search, ah. which caused us to wonder, well, okay, are you going to be able to search for office space? Are you going to be able to lease? Mm. Maybe they become like a landlord. And then I was like, do they have mm. house swap? Because that would be amazing. I would, house swap would be love cool. house they, swap. There used to be house swaps on Craigslist was a category. So Airbnb was kind of born out of the couch surfing movement on Craigslist where people would, and house swap on Craigslist. And I've seen it with groups of friends of mine where they're like, hey, I'm going to be gone for the month of August. Does anybody want my house for August? And people kind of do that. And then uh, I rented a, um, uh, I rented this like really beautiful house in Spain 
uh, on the top of a hill. And the guy, I was talking to the guy and he's like, you know, I want to come to America. Would you give me your house for a month and I'll take your house for a month? And I was like, that's actually not bad. Uh, not a bad idea. Yeah. I guess there's home exchange, which is a community. There, uh, oh yeah. There's sort of, has anybody of used home exchange, uh, com? Let us know. I'm curious if that works. Also um, shout out um, to Peter Notabom in the chat who said we B and B. Which really made me laugh. Uh, we B and B, Rivka, yes. We B and B, we B B and B, we B B B B and B and B. Yes, yes. What if they hire Adam Newman? Oh my God! Biggest change uh, Adam in Adam Newman decade. should buy Home Exchange and make oh, it no. We Exchange, We Home, We We. B. We, we, and B. We, we, oh, and B. Oh, that's not right. I oh, wish I hadn't said so that out wrong. loud. Rachel, that's you tricked me. That's the crossover nobody asked for. You tricked me. That's the crossover nobody asked And uh, breaking news while we're here, uh, Chairman Powell uh, has, uh, as predicted, uh, raised the mm. Fed's uh, rate by 50 basis points, half mm -hmm. a percentage point is what basis points mean. One basis point equals 1%. I'm sorry. A uh, hundred basis points equals one percent. So yeah. when they say fifty basis points, what they're saying is half of a percent. Uh, so one two hundredth in this case is uh, of a dollar. Yep, the biggest hike point. in two decades. Yeah, so they're really um, and they, this was expected. It was. And so I don't know what the market reaction here is, uh, okay. but uh, yeah, that, that that means Nasdaq is probably going to be down a little bit, or it kind of expected it so maybe. i can't believe they wouldn't have priced this in everybody knew it was going to happen the only you would think it would be priced in yeah it really might actually be trading ahead it. uh you know it might trade ahead because um people like okay that's confirmed and we got that out of the way so qqq right. um which is a an index of uh, uh an index fund for the basically tech stocks is up 0.64 basis points. So you can look yeah. at QQQ as an indicator or the overall NASDAQ. So uh, Dow futures see. are up. Dow futures mm -hmm. are up. S&P yeah. futures are up. NASDAQ futures are up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it basically, knew I guess. this was coming and they're just relieved it wasn't 75. Like they just were like, okay, okay. You did what you are said we you were going to do. We're cool. Well, I mean, there is an argument like bouncing along the bottom of the stock market. You know, it stocks off in some case, it tech stocks off 40, 50, 60, 70%. There will be a buying opportunity at some point. Uh, and so at some point, you know, it's these stocks will look really good. You know, looking at a stock like Uber, if I had a if I didn't already have such a big position, I'm not giving financial advice here. When you see a company growing like this and starting to hit basically break-even profitability, Airbnb falling into that bucket again. This is kind of like I think their Amazon moment where people will start to perceive these companies differently. People are like, Amazon can never make money, Amazon's printing money. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, mm -hmm. Facebook will never figure out mobile advertising or mobile. And the stock was like down at $15. Remember that? It like was trading below the IPR price. And then all of a sudden, boom, and ricocheted back. And they were yeah. like, oh, they figured it out. And it's like, oh, really smart people with a business with majority of the market share figured out how to make the rides a little bit more expensive or figured out how to make a, you know, like <laughs> they really didn't think Zuck would figure out how to make a mobile app. I mean, come on. Like, of course, he's going to figure it out at some point. It's true. It it's took true. him a year. <laughs> anyway, and, yeah, it was close, but well, I mean, he he, he basically outsourced it, and they were making React. They weren't making native apps. So, yeah. I mean, a React app is fine if you're like J Crew or something. But if you're if your whole business and the whole experience is in the app, you probably need to get that right with a native app. So I but think it did was we cover enough. everything today. 
I believe that we did. And we are well over an hour. Thanks for hanging with us in our yes. politics talk noties. And I think audience. it's important. It's not going to be every day. It's not going to be every day, but it's super, super important. And I, yes. for one, I'm grateful that we can have an honest conversation about it. Yeah. And I, listen, if uh, and pe reasonable people will disagree. And the part of the idea here is to have a great conversation and learn from each other and be more informed. That's right. And so- And unreasonable you know, people will have their own states to live in. <laughs> and unreasonable people will be screaming and blocking each other on Twitter. And then here we are just trying to have a reasonable Here we are just trying to just- Trying to understand. understand the world. Understand the world a little jinx. bit more. I give you jinx. Buy me a Coke. <laughs> like buy me a buy me one of the new Cokes that Elon's working on. I want to have one of those new Coca-Cola so we can really take on the show with there's enthusiasm. A, not that all of my references are about Saturday Night Live, but there's a very funny Kelly Ripa one where she's like a little bit of crack cocaine. Like talks about what's in her shampoo. <laughs> oh, oh, really? That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. It's just a little bit of like, keep it going. Uh, just, you know, I, 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 I believe the world is trending towards justice and positivity, but there'll be bumps in the road and setbacks. So this too shall pass. Progress and and I would just like line. to say you dumb mofos. Hell you had it all. no fury. You had it all. You could have been no fury. Like you could have kept winning and winning and winning. And all you had to do was be the party of small business and low taxes winning. You could have won for, I mean, who's, who's ever. against that? Yeah. Help yep. business and keep taxes low, balance the budget. But no, no, you had to go in a time machine and literally tell a bunch of women who are now in positions of power. And you can't push them around like you used to be able to in the 50s. And men. Like we keep saying women, but like. Oh, yeah, I mean, men. I'm pissed off. I you have see three the Howard daughters. Stern thing today. Howard Stern was like, if men got pregnant, there would be an abortion clinic on every corner. It'd be like Starbucks. It'd be like yeah. freaking Starbucks. Absolutely. Don't even. Vente. Yeah, come on in. We'll give you, we'll make you a mocha and by all means, come into, uh, you know, we'll have a consultation in the back room here and figure out what you need and we'll get you whatever you need. Yeah, yeah it would be it would be seamless. Uh, this is such utter bull uh, and it has to stop. And uh, that's my personal position. Turning on this, point. But, I believe this is a turning point. Yeah, it is a sad, sad turn of events. But uh, women are not going to take this standing down and neither are the men who support them, uh, myself included. So I don't know what the action item is going to be for us, Molly. Uh, you know, and uh, this pod is, you know, uh, not here to like take positions, but me personally, like, tell me what I'm supposed to do here to help, like yeah. voting, donations, whatever needs to happen here. I'm all in. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, somebody tell me where to write a check. Like, am I, am I writing a check to Planned Parenthood? Is there you gotta some... go more local? I got a list for you. I mean, we got to do something yeah. here. Like, there are local just... organizers who are organizing to politically fight this, or just to help women. Organizing you know... to help women, also to politically That's what I fight this. Do. There are a couple, like, really interesting. Again, not to derail us, but there are a couple really mm -hmm. interesting laws that have been proposed in some of these states that are like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to outlaw abortion, then there has to be a corresponding statute that provides for the care of this child for the child's entire life. So pay for the child. Yes. Pay for the child. Take care okay. of the kid. Okay. You tell me if you really care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, everybody. Uh, great okay. show. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye.